Yes, it's the Pretend Showdown this week as the Pretend season draws to a close at the Pretend Stadium Football Park. Join Peter Jay's specious argument, Nicky New, Danos and Phoenix as we review the game against the Cats, preview our last hit out, bring you the latest from around the AFL and another emotionally charged board talk subject to legal approval. The season's not far away, so hang in there with us. This is Crowcast. Yeah, and thanks very much for that, Phoenix, and good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Adelaide Bigfooty Crowcast. Thanks very much for joining us. Uh, I'm Peter Jay, and I'll be your host this evening. Hope you've had a great week, and there's been, certainly been plenty of AFL action to uh, sink your teeth into, and certainly we can uh, smell round one just around the corner. And uh, there's plenty of uh, us, to, uh, plenty for us to sink our teeth into as well, with lots of news going around in the AFL. We'll have, uh, obviously, our uh, normal segment tonight with Nikki's news, and uh, we'll uh, tuck a little bit of Adelaide Crows news into that as well with the, uh, the game against Geelong uh, in review for you. And also tonight, we'll have a preview of the Crows Port uh, trial game. It's not a showdown, it's a trial game. And uh, joining us will be Macca19 from the Port Adelaide uh, board, which will be great to have him along. And finally tonight, we'll uh, go to a segment that's becoming one of our favourites. It's board talk, and we'll have Denius. 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 Joining us for a chat later on in the program. All right, well, look, uh, helping me through all that, seeing that uh, I uh, seem to not be able to remember what's going on at all. I've got a cast of thousands with us tonight. Uh, Joining us for the first time on the podcast is Danoz. How are you tonight, Danoz? I'm good, thanks. It's uh, good to finally be with you. Creator of the podcast, of course, Specious Argument. How are you tonight, Specious? Doing well, Pete. Hope you've had a chance to cool down since the uh, match day thread. It was bloody embarrassing, wasn't it? And I vowed and declared never, ever to get myself involved in a match day thread for a trial game ever again. So, yeah, good sound advice. And uh, also our editor and the man with the uh, the perfect radio voice, certainly better than all of us, Phoenix67. How are you tonight, Phoenix? Hey, guys. How are you? Mate, and uh, Nikki New, of course, uh, probably the most respected poster on our board. Great to have her with us tonight. How are you, Nikki? I'm here. Yeah, you're sounding sound like you're a bit tired too. Just a little bit. Was a little busy on the weekend with a fringe show. Well, it's terrific to have you with us tonight. Okay, look, uh, we'll uh, get on with things and we'll throw now to our first segment for tonight is Nikki's News. Okay, there is some big news that everybody knows about, but I'm going to leave that to the end because I think we're all going to have a little bit of discussion on it. But so just some little quick things. Um, Alan Richardson, the father of Matthew, passed away today. So it's Tuesday. Um, He was a premiership player with Richmond back in 1967. So condolences to his um, family and friends. Yeah, he, he was a great in his own right. Uh, yeah, not not just father of, but he was actually a great player himself. Yeah, he was more of a wingman, wasn't he? I, I wasn't alive when he was playing, but I'll take your word for it. Well, I, I just saw um, a couple of little comments about that, that, you know, that he was, you know, a bit shorter than Matthew and everything else, but um, quite good in, yeah, agree in his own right. But also... Interesting that Matthew ended his career playing very well on the wing as well, just a little tidbit there. Yes, very true. I do remember quite a number of games. Well, also... Um, there with Richmond, Chris Newman hasn't been seen and we've now got a reason why he hasn't been seen playing for Richmond. He's got an abnormal heart rhythm going on 
um, he's actually going to undergo a procedure um, to correct it. They say he's actually okay, but they just want him to go, to go under this procedure. And in interesting contract news that isn't Patrick Dangerfield, uh, Lockie Henderson from Carlton has put his contract talks on hold until later in the year. He's um, Apparently he wants to get back to playing better football, which I equate to meaning he wants more money, therefore he needs to play better football. And then there was the big news that came out yesterday, which is regarding Ryan Crowley, who's tested positive for a specified substance um, all the way back in July last year. Now, kudos to Fremantle and the AFL for actually keeping this quiet for that long. I don't understand how they did it. Well, they're not Essendon. I think that's what it is. Um, also, I I did kind of make a, a comment on the board that Essendon needs to have a look at the press release that Fremantle did because that's the way you announce it and the way you deal with it. I think one of the, the main things that people's been querying about it is, you know, how could he keep playing? And I made a guess that um, he'd been done for a specified substance. It was then revealed by Patrick Keane that, yes, it was a specified substance. Now, do you guys know what that is? No idea. I was, I was, I was certainly going to ask you about it tonight, Nikki. Well, I went on the WADA site and I've actually got, um, they've got a little Q&A, frequently asked questions, and here's their explanation of what a specified substance is. Um, they state it's a, it's a substance which allows underdefined conditions for a greater reduction of a two-year sanction when an athlete tests positives for that particular substance. The purpose is to recognise that it's possible for a substance to enter an athlete's body inadvertently and therefore allow a tribunal more flexibility when, man, when making a sanctioning decision. They say it's not necessarily less serious agents for the purpose of doping um, and it doesn't relieve athletes of that strict liability rule, but it, there is that reasoning that it could have come into their body without them knowing. So under the AFL drug code, the minimum penalty for this is just a reprimand. The maximum for in the first instance is two years. So until we actually know what it was, um, which means the tribunal has to sit, we won't know what penalty he's kind of up for. But what really interests me is that the AFL tribunal oh, – okay, so we'll do the timeline – he got tested in July. He was notified in August that the A sample was positive. He was still allowed to keep playing, so he did. The B sample in September was positive. He was then notified in October. He then took the voluntary suspension. And then in November, he was served with an infraction notice. Why hasn't the AFL tribunal sat in November or December is what I want to know. That's that's the big question because they weren't doing anything to do with Essendon. That was still a part of the court case. And the fact that it's dragged on for him, I think, is detriment to the AFL. Yeah, I heard on the radio today the um, one of the former chiefs at ASADA uh, came out and said that you know he, he was relatively happy with the timeline uh, in terms of the testing, as you say, but um, th there's this you know missing few months where you know, no action seemed to have been taken, which you know seemed unsatisfactory. Which if he does, if it is something that's happened inadvertently, because what information we seem to have is that he had a lot of back injuries last year. He went to the doctor outside of the club. The substance that he took, which was he took it a couple of days before game day, contained a substance that is banned on game day. So it didn't get out of his system in time. It could be that he had pain. He couldn't get in touch with the club doctor. So therefore he, you know, late at night, he just called 
a locum in? As, as someone who can't work due to chronic back pain, I, I can certainly attest to the fact that back pain can, can leave you considering choices that an otherwise sane person wouldn't. Um, I, I have a lot of sympathy for him in this in this instance. Um, and, you know, if he tests positive, he's got to serve his ban, but I, I certainly do have sympathy for him. Yeah, that, that's pretty much my my feelings on the matter. If that's kind of the case of what it is, you can kind of understand why. Um, but, yeah, he's got a cop it sweet. And the quote they had from him in the press release and everything else, you know, he, he's doing every – he's upfront about it, yep, and – and that's just the way to do it. We're looking at US and then. I think everybody's been looking at them for a long time. Now, we're going to do a longer um, podcast on March the 31st when D-Day happens. A special event. Yeah, I can just imagine you'll be getting yourself fired up for that, Nikki. So, we, you know, you might just about need your own podcast just for that evening. Only if we can bring in some of those standby herd supporters for their view. Oh, they're classic over on the Hot Topic board. So, some of the things that come out with them, you just sit there and going, are you actually trolling for shits and giggles or are you real? And I think in some cases they really do believe that everybody's out to get them and they did nothing wrong. Yeah, they're, they're chronic. They really are. Just um, just moving towards a little bit of um, Adelaide Crows news, it was uh, terrific this evening to hear the press conference of Brent Riley. He uh, uh, spoke to the press and he seemed to be uh, in pretty good spirits and he spoke pretty well and um, it was certainly heartening to hear. Yeah, it was really nice to see that they, they showed the scar on the side of his face. You could see there was some a little bit of palsy still going on in his face, but he was in a really good um, condition um, considering what had been reported earlier. And it's great that he's actually been back to the club a couple of times now. It looks like it's going to be a long road for him, but it was great to see him um, talking, you know, freely and, and with not too much disruption. As you said, there's a bit of palsy there, but considering where he's been the last month or so, it's, um, it's good to see him in that state. Looking at someone like Michael Schumacher as an example of what these kind of injuries can, can do, I, I think it's great to see him, you know, th- this well recovered this early. Yeah, my mother actually had a, um, a head injury as well and there's still some some memory issues going on with her, but um, she she recovered pretty well fairly quickly. But, yeah, there was still those little things that happen every so often. You go, you're not quite right yet. What I liked, though, was his mention about working with the defenders and the defensive coaches in the SANFL team because that's what I was really looking forward to this year in the SANFL because I thought he'd play more games down there. Um, was seeing the on-field coaching that he could do. So at least he's looking to do that off-field. Just to keep him involved in the club too and keep him around, I think that will, you know, be nothing but a positive for him as he gets better. And for the rest of the team. Yeah, exactly what I was about to say, Nikki. I remember a guy like uh, Liptak we kept around to show, you know, show the other players how much we look after the, the older guys when they get injured. I think it's it's a benefit for the younger guys to see this is a club that does care about its players and, and will look after them even in, in, you know, what could be a career-ending injury. One of the other things that came up through the week, and it's uh, I guess it's a kind of a little bit of a segue into um, a bit of a look at the Geelong game, and, and that was the issue of Nakaya Cockatoo and the, the draft swap from earlier in, in the year and, and how we ended up with Jake Lever and blah, blah, blah. And just unbelievable that people would be making those kinds of assessments already when you've got a guy that's played, what, one or two NAB Challenge games and, uh, and a guy that still hasn't uh, been shown as yet. And one that's coming off a full knee reconstruction who's a tall player as opposed to a midfielder who tends to uh, – the midfielders tend to come in straight away and they can play first year whereas the tall guys don't. Although Cockatoo has had um, his own injury problems in the past. 
Yeah, he did. And it'll be interesting to see um, how his foot actually does hold up because I think there are question marks over him as well. But, you know, great debut from him. Very exciting player. What do we uh, What do we think of, just talking about the Geelong game, now moving along to that, what do we all think of uh, um, Adelaide's performance? Uh, I was a, a complete idiot in the match day thread and uh, just really lost my, lost my head. So um, did anybody have anything constructive to say? We stuck tackles. Yeah, that really stood out. Actually, our our attack on the on the play. I thought first quarter they got um, found out a bit because they were obviously playing some fairly forceful frontal pressure um, on Geelong. But Geelong was just so quick by hand that they were able to flick the ball around and get it on the outside of us pretty quickly. And after that, I think we we're just a little bit smarter in terms of attacking the player with the ball and just making sure that we weren't over committing. Um, and probably from quarter time, you know, we settled down and we're, things were on a fairly even keel, really. On SEN today, Cam Mooney was talking to Daniel Harford, I believe, and he was talking about going into the huddle at, at quarter time, and he said he what he, he was really worried about going in there as, you know, opposition player, but he said that what he noticed was that Walsh really just wanted everyone to, to win the inside ball and uh, go hard at the contest, and he said, other than that, things are going very well. We wanted the players to be focusing on, on the inside ball. Yeah, actually, that's an interesting point, Species, and just leading into what I was uh, about to comment on, there seems to be a little bit of an audition going uh, for some of the younger guys in that kind of clearance role. So I've seen Jared Lyons in there and we've seen um, Cam ellis Yolman in there quite a bit. And I thought Cam did really, really well on the weekend in that role. Um, his kicking obviously has attracted a fair bit of criticism. But in terms of actually you know, getting a clearance and, and looking you know, really, really strong in that contest, he, uh, he did very, very well. Just wondering if that may be a tactic to get some uh, younger battering rams in there to leave uh, the likes of um, Dangerfield and Sloan to run outside a little bit more. No, I think the one they're all replacing is Thompson. Yeah, um, I think you're right, Peter. I think, um, and, you know, we've relied on Tomo and, and Danger to get inside regularly. And obviously, it's, it's taken its toll on Tomo. He can't run out games anymore. And Danger, we want to be a bit more damaging on the outside. So getting those workhorses in there, it's like um, when Port had Roger James in there. Now, he couldn't kick over a damn tin lid, but God, he could get the ball out, and that's all he was there for. And that's what we need, just a workhorse inside. I actually really enjoyed some of Ellis Yolman's um, handballs because that ability to see through a pack to find that player on the very outside, which he did a number of times, that's something you can't teach. Most players have very closed in tunnel vision and can't see the wider picture. So he's got that vision. His bit of play to to send Brody Martin in for a goal was just exceptional. He, you know the way he just sort of stood up and balanced himself under you know, enormous pressure and still was able to get a handball out and send Martin away for a goal it was terrific. I'm pretty pleased to see him get a run. Actually, um, you know, as a confidence player, as many of those Indigenous players are, and for Phil to give him an extended run in the midfield, um, allow him to settle and gain some confidence. I think we're starting to see the type of player that he could be and the sort of value that he could bring to the side. Given I live interstate, uh, the only um, news I get about the guys playing in the seconds team is through the board. And most of the year, last year, all I was hearing was, or reading was, um, he seemed to be a very long way away from playing. So it was quite a surprise to me to be able to see him play and not only play, but play quite well. I wasn't one of those saying that. Um, I think there's a whole lot of people who had a 
opinion of him that they stuck to, regardless of how he was actually playing in the SNFL, because his clearances in the SNFL were actually quite good. Oh, look, yeah, I, I was absolutely outspoken. I, I saw him in probably four or five SNFL games live last year, and um, and I always made the point that his strength was in his clearances, and he always had good clearance numbers. It was always a very strong part of his game, no question about that, but even at SNFL level, his kicking was just shocking. Um, he, you know, he really just couldn't, uh, it just didn't seem to be a skill that he could acquire um, at all. And, and it was his decision-making with the kick as well that just seemed to let him down all the time. So, you know, I was quite critical about that and I don't resolve from that because um, there's nothing that I've seen in his play that would suggest that he's um, on top of that. But, you know, if they can create a role for him um, doing what he did the other night, then good on him. And, um, you know, if he can make a career out of that, getting his three kicks and his 15 handballs and that advantages us, well, then well and good. Peter, did you get the impression that he was putting himself under pressure a bit more, not realising he actually had the space? And he's got the speed to get that space and actually settle down. That's that's what I thought watching him in the SNFL, that he was putting too much pressure on himself and not realising that he could settle down. Yeah, quite possibly, Nicky. And, and and the other thing I would say is that he, in some respects you could compare him to the old Chris Knights. And I don't know if you remember early in his career, um, Chris Knights was you know, really, really poor with his decision-making and, and his 30, 35-metre kicks were no good. But as soon as you put him in a situation where he was kicking 60-metre bombs, he was fantastic. Now, see why he absolutely can kick 60-metre bombs really well. And so that may also be something uh, that would be a weapon for us. What it shows to me is that he's great when he doesn't have to think. So, you know, farming the ball out of packs, um, which is largely instinctive, um, you know, he feels quite comfortable, whereas as soon as he's got a bit of time and space and he's he's forced to assess options, um, I think that's where he gets a little bit of stage fright. So hopefully over time and, and a bit more confidence and composure, uh, he can resolve that. Certainly hope so. Any other final observations from the game, folks? Well, I, I wanted to talk about the other end of the ground a little bit, and I, I was wondering, yeah, you know, who who was on Mitch Clark? I, it seemed like we had five different players on him through the game. That was Geelong getting that to happen. Um, Hardigan was on him, I think, for majority of it, and I thought Hardigan actually did a pretty good job. Um, there was the one goal that um, Clark got that he should have had a free against, against Cheney, but that was when Cheney had done the kick out and Hardigan was out in the 50. So that was a quick ball coming back in. So that's, you know, you can't really blame Cheney regarding that, uh, but you can blame the umpire for actually not realising what the rule is. Um, a couple of the other ones, they were good passes and he's a damn fine forward. I don't think anybody could have stopped some of those passes. I thought it was really interesting that at no stage did Walsh um, show any temptation to put Talia back. Um, I liked the way that he just stuck to the stuck to the structure and, um, you know, a bit of a lesson for Hardigan if he was the guy on him, which it appeared to be the case. So another indication of what they were trying to achieve from that game. Do you think Do you think Hardigan has much of a future as, as a defender? Or he, he doesn't seem coming on the way that we hoped he would. Oh, yeah, definitely. I reckon he's going to be very, very, very good. Um, strength and size, um, you know, a good turn of foot. He just, he's another basketballer that lacks a little bit of footy nous, um, and a little bit of, he's probably better at physicality than JJ is, but he still lacks that ability to, um, make position and hold position, but he'll get there. He's also really quick. And what I actually liked last year was like, okay, so he'd make a blue in the first quarter and it may result in a goal. 
but he'd then knuckle down and he wouldn't make a mistake after it. And that ability to go, okay, I've made a mistake. I'm not going to drop my bundle. I'm actually going to work harder to make sure that I do better. That's a really good thing to have in a defender. We think that we're going to be caught out a lot in the third tool department, given that um, Hardigan was needed to move around a little bit. And we, we spoke about the um, Cheney kick out, which uh, came straight back in. Uh, we don't have that third tool in, well, in the that, defence sort of... at the moment to um, cover off on those big forwards uh, in those sort of situations. I don't know that he's tall enough to play that that third tall against teams who who do have you know who who play three genuine talls. I think we're going to struggle a little bit on that third tall this year. I think they'll probably try to use Henderson in that chop out role. Um, Hendo's not the most physical guy, but he does come in across um, across packs fairly well as long as he commits. So bring Henderson back in. I'm a little bit more comfortable. Um, I think with the, with the kick out situation that Nicky described earlier, they might have to just get Hardigan to. Um, to be the short option so that um, once the ball is cleared, he's not that far away from his direct opponent because you're right, we don't have that extra tool. All right, folks, just uh, wrapping it up, what would, we, uh, what would we give it out of 10 as a performance? Oh, if I was feeling generous, I'd say an 8 for a NAB Cup game, that is. Yeah, the intent was there, so I kind of waver between it being that 7-6 because of just some of those shocking kicks for goals. Um, but, you know, I was, I was pretty impressed overall, so I reckon between, between a 7 and an 8. Yeah, seven for me. I think we let ourselves down in front of goal and had we kicked a couple, we could have um, maintained a bit more momentum. But after quarter time, when we were a bit more smart about applying pressure, um, we we looked a lot better in our, our ability to adapt to their slick handball game, um, which was good. So not a bad hit out. All right, uh, I'm going to refrain from giving any kind of number because uh, my brain was in complete meltdown at the time, so nothing nothing sensible to add. All right. Pete, you can't... You can't... Use negative numbers, Pete. <laughs> Thanks very much for your thoughts on that, guys. All right, that uh, that wraps up that segment. Uh, for those of you listening out there that haven't been on Big Footy before, please come and join us, uh, bigfooty.com. You can join our crazy conversations. We're up there 24-7 talking about our beloved Adelaide Crows, so just go on to bigfooty.com and follow the prompts to the Adelaide Crows Club board. You can also follow us at, um, at BF. Uh, Crowcast, and that's our Twitter account, or you can find us on Facebook. And moving along to our next segment, we've got a, a preview of the game. It's a trial game. It's not a bloody showdown. It's not even a mini showdown. It is just a trial game between uh, the Port Football Club and, of course, and uh, our uh, beloved Adelaide Crows. Joining us tonight from the uh, Port Adelaide board is uh, a very special guest, Maka Shit Club No History 19. Uh, he is a regular on the board. He always uh, gives us some good uh, contributions to our board. Mate, uh, I understand uh, that uh, you were last seen on the uh, trying to walk across the demilitarised zone with your hands up in the air and um, just hoping that uh, you weren't going to get any trouble from Janus and Triby who had the AK-47s lined up on you just in case you decide to defect. <laughs> Shit club, no history. Nah, look, none of that. Pleasure to be here, guys. I must say a big congratulations on uh, getting the Crowcast up and running as well. Having listened to the first couple of episodes, I reckon it's a fantastic podcast and very insightful and lots of good humour, so well done. And look, anything that knocks the other Crow-related podcast off its perch is perfectly fine by me. Look, fl- fl- flattery will get you nowhere, mate. <laughs> no, just, all, just, just having a bit of a laugh, Mac. Here we go. 
Just, uh, just having a laugh, mate. And um, look, uh, I've also had to listen to your podcast. It's uh, good stuff, and uh, you enjoying doing it? Oh, it's great fun. Yeah, I mean, it's great fun. The club's been really helpful in um, you know, giving us access to, to players and staff, and we interviewed a, a player today, so that'll be up um, tonight, hopefully. Um, so, yeah, it's great fun. Lots of fun. Are you listening, Adelaide Football Club? Yeah, that's right. Get involved, Adelaide Footy Club. So, uh, Maka, just looking at, at your side, one of the things that um, fascinates me is that uh, you've obviously got a star-studded lineup. It's a it's a it's a terrific side when it's up and running, as shown last year. Um, the thing that I find really really curious is that just the incredible importance of Jackson Trengove in defence. There it just seems that if he's uh, if he's there, um, you know, you're a completely different side as to when he's not. And I think there's some amazing stat about how you go when he's not there. Why do you think it is that he is just so important to your team? It's a bit, it's a bit of a horrendous stat. I think we're something like uh, two wins and ten losses without him over the last couple of seasons, which is which is pretty horrendous. Uh, I'm not too sure if it's all down to him or if it's just a, a bit of a correlation and, and causation type thing. I think he's a highly underrated footballer. Um, he really does sort of lead that back line really well. He takes lots of intercept marks and you know, he's a really good player, can go into the ruck. Um, and do a good job there. Uh, why we keep losing without him, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I think uh, if you look at last year um, in those games that we lost without him, I think our defence held up pretty well. And we kept teams to scores that you would think we should have been able to, to beat them with. Um, but it was just our forward line which uh, didn't deliver on those days as well. I think your defence is incredibly underrated um, overall. You, they seem to have the capacity to absorb a lot of uh, a lot of pressure from teams where they just keep sort of you know bombing in, and um, just seems to be able to give your mids a, a, a reasonable breather and eventually um, sort of change momentum and just uh, get that run and gun game going. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we like to play that plus one in defence, and, and normally when um, teams like to man up on that plus one, we throw an extra man down back as well. So we like to have that extra man there. Um, and, you know, Brody does a pretty good job at that. Pittard, uh, yeah, he's getting better uh, sometimes. Um, as long as he doesn't yeah, kick it. Yeah, so long as he doesn't kick it or handball it or mark it or run with it, then he's a, he's a pretty good player. Now, there's been a bit of banter this week about who's uh, fielding the better ruck. Now, I'm anticipating both clubs are going to go with their, their, I guess, round one starting ruckman. What do you think is going to happen there? I don't know. I reckon they're a pretty even match. I think Jacobs is probably a better tap ruckman. Um, Lobi, I'm not a huge fan of his actual tap work. I think he's great um, sort of around the ground ruckman. He does a lot of work. He's super fit, can run all day. Um, but his actual tap work isn't the best, um, and our clearance work still needs a, a bit of improvement. So, look, I, I think Jacobs will probably do the job on Lobie. He's had a he's had a couple of big games against him in the past. He does seem to set himself for those games against Lobie. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what it is about him. Um, I remember the day he got I don't know what it was 80 hitouts or something like that, and it was one hit out off the all-time record or something. So, you know, I've had many sleepless nights about that leading up to showdown. So, what what was the theory? discussed about going into the second NAB Challenge match with a SANFL side. Was, was that to rest the players? Was that, you know, to avoid injury? Or, what, what's going, or was it just to prepare for the Crows because you rate us that highly? I think you're pretty spot on with the first couple of comments. I think it's it's something that we've done every year under Hinckley. In 2013, we played Melbourne um, and sent a uh, pretty much a reserve side there and, and got absolutely... No, I think we only lost by a couple of points, but then all the Melbourne fans came out and said that they, they were favourites for uh, the round one match, and we ended up beating them by 80 points. And obviously last year we played the Crows and uh, w- with another 
heavily undermanned side and got thrashed and, and ended up doing all right uh, a couple of weeks later there as well. So I, I think it's just something that Hinkley likes to do. I think he likes to give uh, the key players two out of three games uh, and give the younger guys a bit of a go in the other one. I read a conspiracy theory on that, that last year uh, you guys got a bit of a membership uh, boost after winning a match against us. So I was wondering if, you know, Kosh has given the instruction, rest the guys for, for the first game against the Crows so that there's a, uh, you know, get a few more thousand members in. Uh, it could be possible. It could be possible. I wouldn't put anything past Koshy. So. Guys, how, how do we see our own lineup? Um, we've got, um, we played a reasonably experienced side against Geelong. We've got a, a couple of guys to come back in there, probably most, most notably Ricky Henderson um, and Matty Yench. Um, how do we see our side lining up? And we, we've been told by the coach that most likely an experienced side, um, but we've got a number of experienced players now that have played two games. Um, and so how do we see the lineup? I'm interested to see if um, Carriage comes back in. Um, That's exactly what I was going to say. Given, given the strength of Port's midfield, um, It'll be interesting to see, A, whether Ketch comes back in and, B, whether he does get a bit of a run with Roald this week. And will Grigg hold his spot or will he be out? Carriage is in. If Carriage comes in, someone's got to make room, obviously. And there's got to be room. Yeah, partic- I mean, there, there was some talk that uh, Grigg wouldn't have played last week, but um, but Hendo dropped out with a, with a virus. Yeah, and then and then we brought him in as a sub. Yeah, Yench comes back in too, I guess. So um Interesting to see who who dropped. I reckon Grigg for Yench. Um, I'm not quite sure about. I'd, I'd hope not Ellis Yolman for Carriage, but you'd expect that this might be the game that Cameron might miss if they're only playing two out of the three. I think Ellis Yolman did better than Lions, though. So Lions could be close to missing out, maybe. Maka, just from the the, the Port perspective, um, yep, yep. how far away is um, Chad Wingard and um, and Jacko and um, and also um, um, Hartlett as well? I think Hartlett should be right for round one. I think the other two are still a little bit touch and go. Obviously, if we can get them up, um, you know, we have such an important start to the year facing Frio and, and Sydney first up. Um, you know, if we can get both of those players out on the park, that would be a massive help. But you know, I guess you don't want to go into those sort of games with, with a couple of severely underdone players either. You are getting some assistance from the AFL regarding Frio. Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Keep it coming. All we need is old man Pav to do a hamstring and Sanderlands to get a, a bit of a bout of vertigo and then we'll be set. I think Bella's out, isn't he? Isn't Ballantyne out? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's looking like he might be, yep. And I... Incidentally, though, Pavlich was actually voted in as the president of the AFL Players Association board. <laughs> Good on him. <laughs> we were all very impressed by that. No, because it means... He's a great guy, Pav. No, it means that your players, you know, if they actually want something for Players Association, you've got to be nice to the president. True. Very true. Does, is anybody else annoyed about this game being built as a showdown or even worse, a bloody mini showdown? Yeah, it's a bit nuts. What the, what the hell is a mini showdown price. anyway? I'm, I'm annoyed that... the. You know, AFL is run as a as a profit driven enterprise, and I think you know marketing up these games so you can get tickets is part of that. So I think yeah, it, it all irritates me. I understand why the AFL run these games, um, do these sort of mini derbies in the preseason, just because it saves them money from having teams going interstate and all that sort of stuff. But I really do think it cheapens what should be, um, you know, probably the the key. Um, dates on the South Australian sporting calendar. I mean, Port versus Adelaide should be number one and number two on the list, really. And I think Victoria's starting to realise that. I mean, last year, all the talk around the showdowns in Victoria was they just couldn't get over it. I remember the AFL 360s, the the Monday night after it, 
the start was always about the showdown and, and what a great game they both were. Look, they are fantastic games, and it's not just a cliche. You never know who's going to win um, in the real ones. Um, you know, form doesn't seem to matter. Talent doesn't seem to matter. It's, it's always up in the air. What about the ground condition? That's obviously attracted a fair bit of publicity this week as well. Any thoughts on that, everybody? The sand pit showdown. Look, you're getting $2 million worth of free rent a year from the SANFL, so hopefully they've put some of that money into the, uh, into the Oval. Yeah, well, at least we actually put money back into the SANFL. <laughs> oh, now, now. He started it. <laughs> as long as no one does a knee, I'm happy. That's the only thing that I worry about. Well, the plate's gone, so that should be okay. <laughs> yeah, look, that, that's number one on my list. Do the clubs have any say in who they play in the third week of the NAB Challenge? Do, would we? Would either of our clubs have said to the AFL, look, we would prefer not to travel the week or two before we play the real stuff. Yeah, that is a good point, but you you kind of wonder. The AFL seems to just like lugging these these games because it's cheap for them. I think that's the key, Nikki. It's just cheap because we're both here and nobody has to travel and it's just easy. Well, I mean, you look at this weekend, Gold Coast is playing Brisbane, West Coast and Fremantle playing, GWS and Sydney. So, yeah, it seems like the AFL are going for that, that um, you know, third week of the, the NAB cap, no one's travelling. I mean, logistically, it makes sense. It's just the way they build it up. I mean, it's a bloody trial game. It's not a showdown. None of the team's going to treat it as a showdown. Um you know, it'll probably be a bit more willing than a normal practice game just because it is. Um, but, you know, I just want round one to happen now because it's all getting a, getting a bit boring. I think what we've seen from Walshy already is that he's going to stick to a little structure that whatever we're going to do and we're going to practice and he's treating them all as trial games so far. If we win, bonus. If not, ah. Well, I, I've said this on the boards. I don't mind seeing the top five players easing into the game. Your Dangerfields, your, your Sloans, um, your Jacobs. I don't mind seeing them easing in because we need them to be right for round one. What I don't like seeing is the players between you know number five on the list and number 30 on the list taking it easy as well they really need to be fighting for spots and i really want to see that kind of energy from them the top five guys great don't get injured wrap yourselves in cotton wool starting round one that's fine but I, I really want to see energy from those those younger guys and the guys with fewer games on the list that's where i was disappointed with greek in that first week um it was a real opportunity for him and he was so disappointing and if he does get another go this week, um, which I actually doubt he will, but if he does get a run, I hope he makes the most of us. He's going to have a long season. Is Riley O'Brien going to play? I would think after last week's performance, um, it would be unlikely for him to play. Maka, uh, what would you be expecting to see from uh, from Port Power on the weekend? I think first and foremost, no injuries, probably to either side. Um, I don't think anyone wants that. So hopefully we come out... Um, from playing on that dodgy Amy service, you know, pretty unscathed. Um, I'd love to see us play as best a team as we possibly can just to prepare, uh, prepare for round one. And as I said, we've got such a huge start to the season. We need to get them all playing in unison from now. Um, but I'd also like to see us keep something in reserve um, in terms of game plan and structure. I'd love for us to play our normal sort of plan A um, and not really deviate from that too much, you know, keep something in store. What do you reckon... Port's going to look like this year, Maka. Is it more of the same or is it going to be tweaked, do you think? Tiny tweaks, I think. I don't think we're going to have any sort of huge change to our running game plan. Um, going by what we've seen so far, it's um, it's still based on that sort of quick handball give. 
um, lots of overlap running um, and using that pace to advantage. And, you know, hopefully if uh, if Ryder can get on the park this year, um, we'll see a bit of a developed forward line and, and another strong, you know, marking option up there. Maka, um, I'm interested to see what happens with your coaching this year because you've lost two two years in a row, you've lost quality senior assistant coaches. Now, when we lost um, Bailey, obviously, I, I think Henley, Hinkley's probably a better coach than Sanderson was, but when we lost Bailey, the club really fell apart. Do you think Hinkley's got what it takes or has he filled the box this year to have what it takes to keep up that coaching? I guess we'll wait and see. I mean, on paper, Michael Voss looks like a fantastic appointment. You know, has done a lot of great work with with kids in the past. Um, you know, obviously his senior coaching career was a a little bit dismal, but um, that, that doesn't mean yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean he won't be a, a very good assistant like Bailey was. Um, and you know, some people just aren't you know cut out for for that head role, but they do make a fantastic assistant. And we've seen that with a lot of jobs that the people have got over the years, guys like Scott Waters and Mark Neild as well, were always rated as those, you know, fantastic sort of league leading assistant coaches, but couldn't get the job done when they had the main gig. But yeah, I mean, everyone thought we'd fall apart when we lost Richo and we didn't. So, you know, hopefully uh, with Voss on board and, you know, Matthew Nick's still there. I think we've got a pretty good group um, in the coaching box and hopefully they can come up with some good ideas when we're in trouble. All right, look, uh, thanks for that, Macca. Uh, shall we just uh, whiz around now and uh, get some tips for this game? I think it'll be a fairly high-pressure game. I think there'll be uh, a little bit on it, um, obviously a trial match, but um, it looks as though both teams are going to be at pretty close to full strength. So what do we think? No, port, port for mine, I think. No injuries, that's all I want. Port by a couple of goals, but Crows to win the first showdown. I agree with Specious. I think um, Port's going to win this one. Macca? Look, I'm going to say... Uh, Crows by 25 points and Johnny Butcher, the future, to kick four goals, seven. <laughs> Troll. Uh, that's, that's golden. That's golden. Yeah, I think... Um, <laughs> look, look, I'll be happy if he just gets four kicks. Yeah, Out I reckon... Ball, uh, I think. I think Portal will will get will get home in this one. They're 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 shaping up for a uh, a fairly tough start to the season, so I think they'll tune up pretty well on the weekend. Maka, um, that's just about all we've got time for in this segment. But uh, we really really appreciate you coming over, and um, we'll uh, send you back safely. There's been no defection, so uh, Janus and Triby can take the AK-47 cider off you. You're going to go safely back across the uh, demilitarized zone. One one final yeah. question for you, Maka. Why does it matter that the club was established in the 16th century? Ah. Oh. Look, it's just uh, uh, Shakespeare. We were going so well too. Well, you were closing down. Do you want to go for another two hours? Scrub, scrub that one. Scrub that. Scrub. We were going so well. Scrub that one out. Scrub that one out. <laughs> all, no, all I actually want to say is Triby can't say anything because he was originally a Crow supporter and he defected back to Port. So was I. Went for the Crows when they first came in. All right, I'm trying to wrap this up. Um, we're a bit, we're, can't believe that. Yeah, cheers for having me, guys. And, you know, hopefully it's a good season, um, both for Port Adelaide and maybe not so much for the Crows. But, yeah, hopefully we uh, we continue to dominate the AFL market this year. Yeah, very nice. Maka, thanks very much for that. Uh, it was uh, good to have you, you join us. Uh, that was our uh, preview of the Port Crows game on the weekend. guys you've got some really good cards here yeah but there's one card we really want which one's that 
We want a danger field. A danger field? But you've already got one. Yeah, but that's an old one. This one has more attacks and better HP. Sounds like a more expensive danger field. I bet lots of people want that card. But at least you've got one at the moment. But we want the new one. Why someone else is going to get it? And then they're going to have a stronger deck than us. But you've got a Tex and a Crouch and a Talia. Look at this Talia. It's almost unbeatable. Yeah, but we just want the new danger field. Well, guys, sometimes we have to accept what we've got. We might be able to get a new danger field, but they're not cheap. You can get three cards for the price of a new danger field. We just want a new danger field. Kids, I'm not made of money. There's only so much I can spend. It might not even be available anymore. We want a danger field. Okay, okay. Look, I'll check how much money I can spend, and if I can afford it and it's available, we'll get a new danger field. Oh, that's not fair. Is it a maybe yes or a maybe no? Yeah, you always say maybe. Well, I just don't know. Maybe someone with more money will buy the new danger field before we can. I keep ringing the shop and they can't tell me when or if the new danger field is going to be available or how much it's going to cost. Oh, that's not fair. We want him. We want him. Hey, calm down. Look. Why don't you just enjoy the danger field you've got right now? I'll keep checking, and if we can afford it and it's available, we'll get the new danger field, okay? Okay. Dad? Yes, mate. We want Ash. Oh, gee. Don't forget, uh, if you're listening to us, you can always follow the um, conversation. I don't want to sound like Tony Jones there, but you can follow the conversation that we have at bigfooty.com and you can also catch us on Twitter at BFCrowcast and also our Facebook page. All right, moving on to what's becoming one of our favourite segments. It is Board Talk and uh, our very special guest tonight is Denius. Denius, and uh, welcome to the show. And I um, have a confession, I have seen you before because I sat around about two rows behind you the evening at Adelaide Oval that you uh, undertook the infamous task of setting up your sack trig sign. That was you. Oh, I knew well, the bloke behind me said, uh, yeah, I'm on the big footy board, but uh, I never found out who he was. No, that was actually, believe it or not, that was actually another guy. I was actually just watching the conversation that you had. Okay. I was polite to the guy. I'm very happy. So what um, What was your motivations there, mate? That was obviously a big thing that you did. And uh, so how, talk, talk us through the motivation there. Well, I was really enjoying what Trigg was doing to our club. I really wasn't interested in us winning premierships. But I thought, you know, maybe we should try something different and stop being so terrible off the field and on the field. And um, because there's so little way to waste any dissent out in the open, I thought, well, you know, what's good at the footy, a good old sign. So, you know, cheap bedsheet at Kmart, can of spray paint later, and uh, apparently that's all you need. So what was the kickback from, uh, from all that? Because you, you, um, you got marched, didn't you? No, no, I didn't get marched. Uh, I had a nice security man come and tell me that uh, I could either take the sign down and watch the game or I could leave the stadium. So I thought, well, if I leave the sign up, I'll just, there's no way, either way, I can't leave the sign up. So um, I took it down and watched the game. I could have made a big thing about it, but I thought, well, that won't get me anywhere. So I complained to the club and the stadium um, during the week and that was way more fun. Well, well, what was their response? Because um, I would have thought that waving a banner in a public space is well within well within your rights to do so. So, what, I mean, on what grounds were they going to eject you from the ground? Did they ever give you that indication? 
Um, well, they did. I thought I was smart about it, and I, you know, I looked up the uh, conditions of entry for the uh, stadium and the crows, and printed it all out, and thought, okay, I'm not actually breaking any of the rules of entry here. Um, not that it mattered, but um, yeah, I don't actually. It's quite a while back now. Uh, I remember going through it all in a thread. Well, this, well, what was it? July of last year. So it's you know written down for posterity, but. Uh, there wasn't much I could do about it, so the SMA said it wasn't any, well, it wasn't their discretion, they just had to remove me, and I said I wasn't breaking any of their rules, and they said, yes, you were, but they couldn't tell me which one, so I complained to the club, and they said much the same thing, and then um, that next Friday, I was I was out, and I got a text message from what I thought was a mate of mine, didn't, you know, playing a joke on me, but it was a... Uh, Mr. Trigg himself saying that I should come in for a chat with the club and if I tried to hang banners like that again, he'd consider defamation action. So, oh, that's yeah. a bit funny. Wowee. God, that's childish, isn't it? I imagine, I imagine... I didn't, I didn't know there was a, I, I'd never heard there was a threat of uh, defamation there. Yeah, yeah. I've still got the text message on my phone somewhere. Um, yeah, wasn't very happy about it, apparently. But... Makes me feel like going along to a few Cullen games. Oh, yeah, I'm praying for them to lose every match this year. Um, they've always been my most hated team, and now Trig works for them too. Gold, I can get all of my... Did you ever, um, Denius, did, did you ever actually get in there for a chat with Triggy? No. Uh, that's covered in the thread as well. I, I wondered what would actually be served by that, because he wasn't going to change my mind, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't going to change his, so... Uh, it was also not. See what? Go on. With trying to with trying to shut you up, that's you know it reminds me of um, something that's kind of called the Streisand effect. Of when when you uh, yeah. when a celebrity tries to shut down uh, criticism, it then amplifies it um, out of their out of their control. And you know, I, I wonder if you know, he kind of considered the the implications of rather than just having a laugh and oh yeah, isn't that guy an idiot? Just you know, in, in you get what I'm saying? I do. Um, and sure, hey, people laugh at me for being an idiot all the time. But, um, yeah, you could, you could argue that didn't really happen either because outside of our board, not many people heard about it. Well, I don't think anyone heard about it, really. But um, I'm drawn back to something you said earlier about it being a public space. Um, we'd like to think it's a public space because the public go there, but it's not. It's owned by an association, and they can make the rules of entry, as you know, I learned. So, oh, no, no doubt somewhere there'd be a, a clause that says management resu- re- reserves the right to refuse entry to anyone for any reason. Well, oh, that would be absolutely. an interesting that that would be an interesting court case because technically it's not owned by a third party organisation. It's Parkland um, that's operated by the council, um, and it is actually public land. Oh, okay. Where's Matlock when you get him? Huh? Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, if, if you, Trig was still at the club, it might be something we could action. I wonder whether his little text to you was club sanctioned or whether that was just uh, him throwing the toys out of the pram. Oh, I suspect toys out of the pram. If he's running the club, who would have to sanction it for him? But oh, he's gone now. I'm interested as well that he just, uh, he got your um, mobile number and sent you the, sent you the text. Uh, oh, and probably when I complained to the club, I probably put my mobile number in the email. So... I don't think he did anything terribly difficult to get it. Were you sitting in a reserved? Were you sitting in a reserved seat where they could track what was? Uh, no, I was uh, upstairs in the Edwin Smith stand on the members' side. Interesting stuff. So, what other activism are you into, mate? Oh, um, 
Now, I'm too old for it nowadays, I guess. Uh, many years ago. You're never too, too old. old. That's true. Many years ago, um, I don't know how old you guys are. You remember in 2000, in September, there was a World Economic Forum in Melbourne at the Crown Casino? I do remember that. I was there. I was there. September, September 11, wasn't it? Or September, September 7, 11, something like that? Uh, the year before September 11 got really famous. I remember being at that. That's right. Yeah, S11 conference, I remember. Great fun is not quite the way to explain it, but... Uh, that was very formative for me going along and seeing that so many people believe in the same kind of things I believed in and were willing to stand out in the cold for four days and yell. I was just hoping there'd be water cannons I could be part of. That, uh, after four days of stinking, yes, that would have been good too. So have you got a favourite memory from the board, a favourite argument, favourite uh, carding that you can you can recall back to? Favourite carding? Um, well, one of my first things I ever did on Big Footy uh, before I understood the rules about going on other teams' boards, I went onto the Carlton board and had a big old emotional rant at them about being cheating bastards who uh, stole Bryce Gibbs and you know, generally weren't very nice and had no respect for me. And I got a nice old ping from, I think it was uh, the old Dark Navies off the top of my head. It's good for a while. And he's still around. He's still around. And more, more recently... So you've, you started strongly in... <laughs> Started strongly yeah, and kept started up the stupidly. Um, more recently, one of the Essendon, oh, during this whole Essendon saga, on one of the days that they got uh, slapped around in court, I went on their board and went into one of the threads that said, uh, you know, don't post here. I didn't post anything, but I did a Bostrich burger and I liked it, all of their meltdowns. And uh, that gave me a two week holiday. But oh God, I laughed so hard while I was doing <laughs> it. So hard, it was worth it. I tried doing that on the board one day, but I ended up just getting really angry at all of the um, at all of the posts and, and not actually liking anything. Yeah, it's when you read stuff that's really stupid, you just yeah, you get angry after a while. So you just should be smart and not go onto those boards. Yeah. I don't go on Bay Thirteen anymore because it's just a giant circle jerk with people yelling at each other, and it's actually more fun just trolling your own board. Gee, did I say that? Yeah, Bay Thirteen used to have some. <laughs> Bay 13 used to have some classic things. I still remember the Van Bible. The Van Bible was just awesome on Bay 13. Yeah, there's some great contributors, but oh, lots of it's just circle jerking. Yeah, I, I don't even really bother going on the main board anymore because, again, it's just people there looking for a fight and looking for an excuse to abuse yeah, somebody we else. We do that off on our own board. Oh, we, we fight amongst ourselves so well. We don't need other people to come in and help. <laughs> Absolutely, and none of them, and none of them go. Yeah, well, you you cheated with Tippett, so so you lose the argument. Yeah. And we seem to be separating into some nice little factions at the moment as well. We do, we do. Yeah, there's been. I, We're getting into our little sheep circle. Yeah, <laughs> there's been a. I think there's been quite a bit of infighting on our board lately. Just like lots of little, um, you know, there's a. Are we keeping Dangerfield? Is he going? Camps. Not as much fun as it usually is. Look, but you I know, think I, when the I, real season starts up, we'll all get into it again. I blame the club for, for having a complete um, blackout of information that we've got nothing else to do but turn That's on each true. other. And we've mostly had positive stuff. Yeah. So there's nothing to get really angry about. So we don't know what to do because that's why we're on the internet. We're on there to tell somebody else that they're wrong. <laughs> That's what the internet's for. Yeah. I, I am really impressed that we've gotten uh, a pre-season training thread up to 130 pages without any actual pre-season training, like open sessions for us to go to. No, there was one. I did a report. It was? Yeah, last year. And we padded it to 130 pages. That's great stuff. 
thank you. Without you, we might have only got to 110. There was pictures and everything. <laughs> Actually, I think there was more pictures than anything. Deanna, so <laughs> as the uh, <laughs> sorry, that was uh, that's good. Um, as the tradition goes now, um, I need to um, slip you the dirty half a dozen. Um, so are you up for that? Absolutely. What's the dirty okay, half a dozen? These are ex- well, it's just a quick half a dozen questions, mate, that are designed to um, strip you down, leave you crying, and um, you know, have you going into therapy after? Oh, sweet. Okay. So pretty lighthearted stuff. Go crazy. Make me cry. Come on. All right, the first, first, first obvious one: um, danger, yes or no? He's staying. Staying. Yep. Very good. That's two staying now. Good man. Um, if you had a duffel coat, mm-hmm. would uh, Kate Upton be on the back of it? Ooh, no. Wouldn't Kate Upton be in it? She'd be in it with me, and I'd have the number thirty-three for Wayne Wiedemann on the back. Well said, Nikki. The weed. Yeah, weed. The weed. weed. Now, are you are you single or hooked up? Hooked mate? up, hooked up. So, have you um, secured a hall pass for for Kate? Is that one of your chop outs? Yes, yes. Uh, Drew Barrymore was retired, and uh, Kate Upton has taken up the mantle. Oh, very nice. So, yeah, Drew's getting a bit long on tooth now. She's still as gorgeous as ever, but you know you have to move on with the times. Okay, so what's your as freebie then? Uh, it was also Drew Barrymore for quite a long time. Uh, I'd have to ask him at the moment. Can I just say how disappointed I am that you didn't say Sophia Viraga? I didn't say what? Sophia Viraga from uh, Modern oh, Family. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. She's pretty cool, but not my thing. You need two chop outs for her. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. <laughs> uh, your least favourite Bigfooty poster, mate? Oh, least favourite? Um, yeah, that's not the one you don't like, just the one you don't you like the least. Oh. Bostridge would be able to answer that question. No. Um, I, oh, Andrew Webster. What a, what a wonderful individual. Um, just, yeah, I'm not enjoying his posting very much. But I'm sure he's a troll. Or she. It could be she. But, yeah. So, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, look, now this question probably doesn't apply to you, but it's going to be a standard, so I have to ask. Kylie or Danny? Danny. Oh, didn't go the blonde. No, no, something different. There's two for Danny. Really? Yeah, big fella. Big fella's a Danny fan. Wow. Yeah, a, I, I reckon Danny. she's a, a quiet achiever, Danny. Um, all right, two to go. So she's kept her achievements very quiet then. Do you plan to disrupt any other events this year? You going to the Melbourne Cup, or I didn't see it at the Formula One or the Clipsal? <laughs> any, anything else up your sleeve, mate? <laughs> I could be like that. That Peter Hoare guy that disrupted all the sporting events 10 yeah, years ago? Yeah, that's what I was the thinking. The cereal um, pest. No, I've, I've got, um, yeah, cereal pest guy. No, I, I've actually got, uh, well, I play into a cricket Wednesday nights, and I've got uh, a footy trip organised for August to see us play Essendon, or whatever's left of Essendon after they get their asses handed to them on a plate by the courts. Uh, and that's going to be pretty good. We've got a couple, well, about three days. And uh, so it'll be Adelaide Essendon, 
uh, an all-nighter binge at the casino and Geelong Hawthorne that night. So look out for me there. I might, you know, get arrested. So you're going to be disrupting the whole Who city knows? at that point. I'll try. I'll try. Which, you could, I don't particularly like Melbourne very much. But you could try going yeah, to the next I'll day. Fun. You could try going to the next AGM and, and um, getting a, you're doing a pie in the face for Nikki. <laughs> so which footy club, mate? I can see your picture on Skype here. Is that a, that's taken at a footy club, I reckon. No, oh no, no. That is. That's about ten years old. It's uh, upstairs at the Crown Anchor. Oh yeah. After a too. game of eight ball, I was exceptionally drunk. Um, used to play eight ball with some mates, like competition eight ball. But we've used it as an excuse this, to get drunk. There seems to be and, a theme uh, going on here regarding drunk. the drinking and protest. So which footy club, mate? Oh, uh, yeah. It's not. It's a pub. Yeah, but do you play? You said you're going on a footy trip, so... Oh, uh, oh sorry. It's a trip to see the footy with some guys. Ah, uh, okay. Up no worries. No, no. I always sucked at football. Okay. And last one. Uh, are the Crows making the out this year? Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, no, but they're going to get very close, and then next year I think we'll be killing it. But it, it's like any new coach; it's going to take half a season for the players to click to the game plan, and they'll come home with a wet sail sort of thing. And then next year, after another preseason, everyone's got another year together, understanding their roles. It should be great. I read it. I read a decent article today um, talking about the Crows being, you know, probably going to be quiet achievers this year um, as the younger guys grow into their role and to not look for anything until 2016, 2017. So I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, finish around about the eight this year and improve after. I think you're right. Yeah. All we've got time for this evening, unfortunately. It's been terrific to have a chat to you. We've really, really enjoyed it. Um, of all the people on the board, you have a great passion for the club, obviously, to get out there and get your sign up there. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed being on, um, Denius. Oh, it's been my pleasure. My pleasure. All right. Thanks, mate. That's uh, Board Talk uh, for another week. The volunteers for um, the Dirty Half Dozen and Board Talk are gratefully accepted. All right. We're just about to wrap up tonight, but we've got a little bit of a late breaker from Nikki. Um, there's something brand new that's just been announced for the Adelaide Football Club. This year, we are going to induct our first Hall of Fame inductees. Um, this will, the inaugural inductees will be named on April the 29th. Um, and it is for, let's see if I can... No prizes for guessing who it's going to be. Well, no, they're, they're keeping it fairly quiet, but they did say it's um, for players, coaches and administrators, and the first inductees will be from each of those sections. So... That could be interesting. Is it so? Malcolm Blight, Mark Rusciuto, Andrew McLeod. Well, who's the Billy administrator? Sanders. Billy Sanders. Maybe. Stephen Trigg, of course. Yeah, I reckon Sanders could be up there. Perhaps Bob Hammond, because he's inaugural, isn't he? Yep, he was the inaugural chairman. G. Corns, maybe. There's a few. Yeah, so Fagan's described um, the 25th anniversary as another important commemorative year that demands a significant moment, such as a Hall of Fame. After 25 years, there. Are there are many people to consider for their significant roles at this club. The time is right for a Hall of Fame. Beautiful, Nikki. Thanks for breaking that one. All right. Um, look, that just about takes us to the end of the Crowcast uh, for this evening. It's been a terrific night. We've really enjoyed having our guests. And um, hopefully uh, you'll join us next week for Episode 5 of the Crowcast. In the meantime, don't forget to join us at bigfooty.com and also at our Twitter at BF Crowcast. See you later, everybody. Bye. See you, Pete. Night, guys.
<laughs> Sound like a dickhead. This has been Crowcast, brought to you by Kazma for all your live audio and studio production needs. See you at the footy. Computer.